The following presentation is brought to you by the Realm Network. Buzz Burbank, news and comment. It's good to be king or even governor. This is Thursday, July 6th, 2017. Thank you very much for listening and for supporting this free independent news when you use and bookmark the Amazon links at buzzburbank.com. I hope you had a great holiday weekend or at least got some time off. I was able to have a great fourth and in the process put together another complete wrap-up of the past week's news. But the Buzzcast will run shorter today because for the first time this year, things quieted down just enough to allow that to happen. This new show was supposed to run about a half hour, but the events before and during the Trump administration made that impossible. Mostly thanks to the holiday weekend, the news was easier to prepare this week and will therefore be easier to digest, at least in terms of sheer volume. It will also, unfortunately, be no less sobering. And so we begin. Ours is bigger than yours. That's the military message from the United States to North Korea as that tension continues to build. On the morning of our July 4th, Kim Jong-un launched his first successful intercontinental ballistic missile. That's a big deal because although it required two stages, the missile traveled in an arc more than 580 miles, reaching an altitude of 1,700 feet, enough muscle to hit any spot in Alaska. Hawaii and California at this point are not too far out of reach for North Korea at this rate of progress. No one knows yet if North Korea has a nuclear warhead small enough to fit inside the cone of such a missile, but we know they're working on it. So to put North Korea in its place, the U.S. and South Korea conducted a ballistic missile drill the next day with a lot of shooting and missile launching. China remains in the middle of all this, joining the rest of the world in sanctions against North Korea for its nuclear program, even though China has not imposed the kind of sanctions that would stop the North's nuclear advancement. China has scolded both North Korea for that program and the U.S. for conducting those joint military exercises with South Korea, but neither the U.S. nor Kim Jong-un are listening to China. And experts say that despite threats from the U.S., there is no stopping North Korea's nuclear program at this point, not with military action and not with diplomacy. More and tougher sanctions, say the experts, is the only way. The Trump administration, at least in its words, seems to be leaning toward the military option. Arriving in Poland, the new U.S. president called out North Korea for its, quote, very, very bad behavior and said he was considering severe actions against that country. The nearly eight years of Republican threats to repeal and replace Obamacare may end with a whimper, not a bang. Senators now home for the July 4th break are being met with protesters. The polls show the public in general hates the Republican plan and the talk of repealing Obamacare. And then there's the help Republicans have gotten from Donald Trump, who did a couple of things at the start of that congressional break that will make the Republicans' jobs even harder. He tweeted another schoolyard bully attack on a TV host, extending his obsession with women and blood. That angered women across the country, especially the female Republicans in the Senate, at a time Trump needs every vote he can get to get that repeal and replace he promised would happen so quickly. He also announced he'd be fine with repealing Obamacare without replacing it, a plan that would cut off health care for 32 million people. 
Just repealing is a plan long favored by the Senate's most extreme right-wing Republicans, and Trump's endorsement gives those right-wingers more support at a time Mitch McConnell was trying to keep their numbers to a minimum to get his plan passed. On two fronts in 24 hours, Trump torpedoed his own agenda again. And then there's how much people hate the Republican plan. By a three-to-one margin, that's how much. A Quinnipiac survey found that 58% of Americans disapprove of the Republican health plan and only 15% support it. 71% oppose cutting Medicaid. 81% oppose cutting off money for Planned Parenthood. Once they were informed, it doesn't get tax money for abortion. Even in ignorance of that fact, 61% opposed cutting Planned Parenthood money. Nearly half said that if the Republican plan passes, they'll vote against their senators and representatives in next year's election. In spite of that, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says he'll still try to pass a repeal and replace plan before the lawmakers next vacation next month. Right now, this week, lawmakers are still on their Independence Day break. On July 1, 1964, Lyndon Baines Johnson signed into law the Civil Rights Act. Future history books may also reveal that on that same date in 2017, Donald Trump posted a doctored video that made it appear he had body-slammed to the floor CNN and then pummeled it with his fists. It was a 10-year-old video from pro wrestling from an event in which the attention-grabbing Trump engaged in some theatrical wrestling. The head of the man who pretended to be pummeled back then was replaced in this 2017 video by that square white-on-red CNN logo. Someone else had done the video trickery, but it was the President of the United States, previously considered the most powerful person in the world, who posted that video on both his personal Twitter account and the official presidential account. It was a new low for a president whose ability to go lower should never be underestimated. It was, especially in contrast to LBJ and others, not presidential. Not even modern presidential, as Trump would tweet later, in all caps, of course. The video tweet was a schoolyard bully response to criticism that was perhaps too well-placed for Trump's liking. It came on the heels of Trump's vulgar verbal attack on MSNBC co-host Mika Brzezinski, the new low he'd reached just a couple of days before the wrestling post. It was, by all accounts, an attack on the news media and a free press. No president has liked the news media, Obama was as strict with it as any. But as with everything else, Trump has taken his hatred for the media's watchdog role to a new level. He was screeching about the so-called fake media again at a rally for the religious right and added, I'm president and they're not. Many called it behavior not unlike that of a banana republic dictator. Many worried about the example it sets for children and adults from the highest office in the land about civility. And then came a new poll from Marist College showing that more than 7 in 10 Americans believe the political tone in this country has become less civil since Trump's inauguration. That 71% is more than double the percentage of people who believe the tone got worse after Obama took office. While they were polling, Marist researchers also found that 61% of us don't trust Trump. There isn't much, however, that we as a country do trust. More than two in three Americans, 68%, don't trust Congress. The exact same number, don't trust the media. 61% say they also don't trust polls, despite their scientific methods and the uncanny track records of accuracy. 
We are just halfway through the year, and already there have been more threats against senators and representatives than there were in all of last year. And recently, some lawmakers and their protectors were shot at a practice for a charity baseball game. Congressman Steve Scalise, the most seriously wounded, is back in intensive care today, weeks after being upgraded to fair condition. He's now, again, listed as serious as doctors are concerned about infection. Lawmakers are so nervous about the more than 900 threats that have come in so far this year and the overheated dialogue in this country, they have asked the Federal Election Commission if it would be okay if they used their campaign donations to pay for better security. Despite the repeated confirmation that Russia interfered with the 2016 election, that may or may not be a topic when Trump meets with Putin over the next couple of days. National Security Advisor H.R. McMaster says Trump has no agenda going into the meeting. The Russia thing? No agenda, says McMaster, who says the president will talk with Putin about whatever Trump wants to talk about. Later, the White House said it isn't likely Trump will bring up the Russian cyber attack when he meets with the man we now know for certain ordered that attack. The Trump administration has still done nothing to either look into or retaliate for the Russian interference that's been repeatedly confirmed by U.S. intelligence. We do know the two leaders will have a formal meeting as opposed to the usual brush-by as they each attend a summit of world leaders for the G20 in Hamburg, Germany. This is surprising since the U.S. had been giving Russia the cold shoulder, first over its invasion of Ukraine and then for that election meddling. Russia also has an axe to grind, for sure, namely the confiscating of two pieces of Russian property in the U.S. The Obama administration chased the Russians out of those compounds after the election to punish Russia for its interference. But Putin and Trump also plan to talk about working together on fighting ISIS. And they'll have to talk about the complicated civil war in Syria. For a normal American president, this G20 would make for an uncomfortable trip. But Trump will also have to deal with some cold shoulders from Europe, thanks to his abandonment of the Paris Climate Accord and his wavering on NATO. The man who might be the key to proving collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia's election interference is dead. Peter W. Smith, a longtime Republican operative, admitted just 10 days before he died that he had contacted Russian hackers to try to get emails from Hillary Clinton's private server for the purpose of helping the Trump campaign. Smith also had connections with top Trump campaign advisor Mike Flynn, current White House advisor Steve Bannon, and current White House strategist Kellyanne Conway, just to name a few. Conway now admits she knew Smith, but, quote, never met with him during the campaign. The Wall Street Journal broke this story over the weekend. The now-deceased Peter W. Smith was the Republican operative who cut his political teeth funding lawsuits against Bill Clinton. He may also have been the guy who connected Trump with Russia. And although Smith is now dead of natural causes at the age of 81, he is survived by people who know about all of this. One way to help keep the Russians out of the next election, the one just over a year away, is to properly fund the Election Assistance Commission. The EAC is the government body that makes sure the nation's voting machines haven't been hacked, among other things. But instead of giving that commission money and marching orders, the Republican Congress is about to cut the EAC's funding from $4 million a year to zero. At a time our defense of the election system should be increasing, Republicans on the House Appropriations Committee have been working to slash that defense. 
Republicans want the Election Assistance Commission's budget to go from $4 million to zip. Democrats want the commission's budget increased to just over $9 million. Donald Trump doesn't want to investigate Russia's interference in the election. He wants to investigate what he believes are millions of votes cast illegally for Hillary Clinton, a belief for which there is no evidence. None, according to the election officials in blue states and red across the country. Still, as he vowed he would, Trump's created the Presidential Commission on Voter Integrity to investigate the widespread fraud that doesn't exist. And perhaps why Clinton beat him by three million votes. All Trump needs from you is your name, political party, how you voted over the past 11 years, your military status, your birth date, the last four digits of your social, criminal record, and more. The new commission sent a firmly worded request to state election officials in D.C. and all 50 states for that information to be turned over within the next two weeks. At least 41 states so far have said no, including Mike Pence's home state of Indiana. 42 if you count D.C., and some of us do. Only three states have said yes, Missouri, Colorado, and Tennessee. Of the six states yet to announce a decision, three are still looking at the request, and three have said nothing. But 18 states have scolded the president for even asking for this information. Mississippi officials told Trump's commission to go jump in the Gulf of Mexico. Even Kansas said no to part of the demand. And that's surprising, since the same man who said no to that request in Kansas is the same man who made the request in Washington. The Sunflower State's top election official, Kansas Secretary of State Chris Kobach, who is the chairman of Trump's Voter Fraud Commission. And that's interesting since Kobach himself has been sued four times for voter suppression, which is what Democrats say this commission is really all about. Trump's stocking his commission with people who've already decided that non-existent voter fraud is a huge problem. Trump, of course, did not take it well to hear that most of the states in the country were telling him some version of go jump in the Gulf. In a Twitter fit, Trump tweeted, what are they trying to hide? Up next, Trump's plans for speeding up climate change get stopped in court, holding Congress accountable for war and why it's good to be governor after this. With everything going on, it's easy to forget stuff, including birthdays and anniversaries. Was it your sister this time? Your mom? Your spouse? With ProFlowers.com, you can schedule their gift ahead of time, any date you wish, and get back to your life. It's a special gift of beauty right to their door without costing you a fortune. And with Pro Flowers, it's always a perfect gift, guaranteed fresh for seven days or your money back, and they're serious about that. I've used Pro Flowers time and again, and they've never let me down, or her. She's always delighted when that box from Pro Flowers arrives at her door. And right now, because you listen to this report, you can save 10 bucks on any order of $29 or more if you enter the code REALM, R-E-L-M, when you check out at proflowers.com. Flowers for as little as 19 bucks when you type in the code R-E-L-M in the upper right corner. And that $10 off also applies to a range of flowers and plants, including a dozen red roses or their famous 100 Blooms bouquet. And if you do forget a birthday or anniversary or forget just about anything, Apologize with flowers, save 10 bucks, and help power this show with the code R-E-L-M at proflowers.com. Thank you for using my sponsors and for supporting this free news through the PayPal button at buzzburbank.com. 
our presidents, this one or future presidents, would no longer have a blank check for sending American soldiers into harm's way. Right after 9-11, lawmakers passed the Authorization for Use of Military Force, the AUMF, to give President George W. Bush the power to send our troops after anyone connected to 9-11. But over these past 16 years, presidents from both parties have used that 9-11 law to deploy soldiers in 37 operations in 14 countries, most of those not connected to 9-11. Besides giving the president unchecked power, the law allowed lawmakers to avoid making decisions of conscience about sending young Americans into battle. They could keep their hands clean. When that authorization was passed after 9-11, only one lawmaker voted no. California Democrat Barbara Lee, who has fought for the past 10 years to repeal that law. And she's finally made some serious progress. She got the House Appropriations Committee, on which she serves, to recommend to the full House that the authorization be repealed. Republicans and Democrats alike now support her idea, and their recommendation means the rest of the House will likely go along. Quoting Congresswoman Lee, GOP and Democrats agree a vote on endless war is long overdue. Even if the authorization is repealed, it would still take the better part of a year for it to go into effect. The armed services need a little more time to change, we're told. Defense Secretary James Mattis has put a six-month delay on letting transgender people serve openly in the military. The odd part of that is there are already transgenders in the military serving openly as themselves. But transgenders still cannot enter the military as themselves. And new recruits must still remain closeted until the entry ban is lifted or until they clear basic training. This was supposed to have changed on July 1st, but at the very last minute, Mattis announced the deadline would be pushed back to January 1st, 2018. Here are Mattis's carefully chosen words. We will use this additional time to evaluate more carefully the impact of such accessions on readiness and lethality. LGBT groups are not pleased and point to the transgenders already serving openly. Mattis says this delay does not change where we're heading, just when we get there. Quoting him, I am confident we will continue to treat all service members with dignity and respect. The harvesting and burning of fossil fuels doesn't just dump climate-changing carbon dioxide into the air. It dumps a lot of other stuff, including methane, another greenhouse gas. New rules under the Obama administration and in accordance with the Paris Climate Accord would have forced the oil and gas industry to cut its methane output. The Trump administration quickly tried to stop those new requirements and tried to roll back some EPA protections. It tried to suspend the new rule for two years while it wrote a new policy with the help of the oil and gas industry. The Trump plan isn't working so far. This week, a federal appeals court blocked the Trump administration's rollback plans. The court said Obama's rule can stay while the Trump administration gets around to writing those new rules. The court scolded the Trump White House for trying to change a rule on its own say-so rather than to go through the required process that allows for a period of public comment. Regardless of its motives, a clear majority of voting Americans like Trump's so-called travel ban. The ban is down to six mostly Muslim countries now and no longer affects people who already have a close family, business, or educational tie to the U.S. But the order also puts a stop to refugees for the next four months. 
approval of the ban has gone up with the public as the ban has been whittled down by the courts. And the people surveyed indicate they'd be even more supportive of Trump's ban if it were even less restrictive. The Supreme Court will make its final decisions about Trump's ban when it returns to work this fall. Salon.com writer Bob Seska took some time off for the holiday. He returns this evening with his show here at RealmNetwork.com, and I'll join him for the Bob Seska Show this coming Tuesday, July 11th. Bob will be back here next week. In the meantime, congratulations to our own Bob Seska for being among the prominent voices quoted in yesterday's New York Times. More than 100 people were shot over the Independence Weekend in Chicago, and 15 of them died from gunfire, the youngest a 13-year-old boy. That was even with an extra 1,000 police officers on the streets, even with the intervention of federal ATF agents. That weekend carnage brings Chicago's total to more than 1,800 people wounded just in the first six months of this year. Because the Illinois state budget is still collapsing under its own weight, the state's big lottery games have been suspended. No Powerball, no Mega Millions. The people who've already won reportedly will be paid, but lottery officials say that until Illinois lawmakers come up with a budget that balances, the games are off. This is not the first time. Unfortunately, the Illinois public schools rely on the $92 billion the lottery generates for them. Traffic is down at convenience stores throughout the state. Those addicted to playing are now crossing into neighboring states of Wisconsin, Iowa, Missouri, Kentucky, and Indiana. Things were not much brighter in New Jersey and Maine. The governors of both states had signed orders to shut down their state governments because they couldn't reach a deal with lawmakers on their budgets. New Jersey Governor Chris Christie and Maine Governor Paul LePage signed those shutdown orders and declared states of emergency, all of which have since been lifted. It appeared New Jersey state parks would be closed for one of the biggest days of the year, July 4th, closed to everyone except Governor Christie, whose family had a state beach all to themselves at a gubernatorial retreat, while the little people were to be locked out on Monday, July 3rd. Quoting Christie, it's just the way it goes. Run for governor, and then you can have the residence. To many people, that sounded like let them eat cake. Christie's approval rating even before that snotty remark was down to 15%, making him the single most unpopular governor in America, so he may be a little bitter toward the little people. New Jersey's last shutdown was in 2006, but a budget deal was finally reached there Monday night of this week, just in time for the beaches to open to the little people in time for the 4th. It was in the wee hours on Tuesday morning, the morning of the 4th, that Christie signed that new budget deal. Maine, meanwhile, hasn't seen a crisis like this since 1991. That state's governor, Paul LePage, has an approval rating of only 38%. Maine has also now broken its impasse and reopened its government services, also as Monday spilled into the 4th of July. Besides Illinois, Maine, and New Jersey, six other states had also failed to meet their July 1st budget deadlines. Weed in Vegas, from alcohol to ecstasy and fireworks in Florida, in the third and final segment, up next. Happy ears. That's what you'll have when you pop in a brand new pair of earbuds from tweakedaudio.com, especially the new Hegon Sport earbuds with silicone caps to help them stay in place. They're water-resistant with a tangle-free cord and a travel pouch. 
Like other Tweaked Audio products, the Hegon Sport Buds include an inline mic, a gold-plated plug, and of course, extra gels. The Hegons are orange and gray, but Tweaked Audio's other earbuds come in a range of colors and materials, including wood. You can even get buds in sets of two or three. And Tweaked Audio earbuds just sound better. You certainly can't beat the prices for this level of quality, guaranteed. And the shipping is free anywhere in the world. And because everything sounds better on Tweaked Audio earbuds, you can get an extra one-third off their already great prices if you check out with the code BBNC at TweakedAudio.com. Thank you for supporting this news through TweakedAudio.com and my other great sponsors, or through the Donate button at BuzzBurbank.com. Traditionally, a lot of new laws go into effect on July 1st. A dozen cities, for example, got new higher minimum wages. A new one in Nevada had hundreds of people lined up around the block. Five hours before the stroke of midnight, they lined up at dozens of new marijuana dispensaries. Anyone over the age of 21 with proper ID can buy up to an ounce of weed or an eighth of an ounce of edibles for recreation. The Nevada state government is now taxing legal gambling, prostitution, and weed. But even in Sin City, where you'll find the most dispensaries, no one's sure how this is going to work. 60% of the customers are expected to be tourists. But the new law bans smoking weed in public, including at hotels, resorts, and casinos. It can only legally be smoked in private homes. The fine, if you're caught, is 600 bucks. The house wins. The house always wins. Good news. The infant mortality rate is down and continues to go down for white babies. For black babies, the death rate is up a bit. It, too, had been headed downward. But since more than half the uninsured, non-elderly people in this country are people of color, that progress has not only stopped, it's taken a back step. Among America's still uninsured, most are either black or Native American. This has been asked before, can one drug help a person beat their addiction to another drug? The addiction in this case is to alcohol, and the drug, surprisingly, is ecstasy. MDMA, as doctors know it, may treat alcoholism more effectively than other treatments when combined with psychotherapy. Researchers at the Imperial College London hope to find out by working with 20 people who drink the equivalent of five bottles of wine per day and who've already tried other treatment options. MDMA enhances a person's empathy, which doctors believe can help that person overcome trauma. It's been tried on returning soldiers with post-traumatic stress syndrome, but ecstasy, as it's known to the club crowd, is illegal. So even if it works, it still could not be legally prescribed. Not for PTSD and not for alcoholism. At least not yet. From our best recall of the week department, Whole Foods has been forced to recall over 500 pounds of its deli packaged chicken salad. There was concern since those little clear plastic boxes actually contain tuna salad. Whole Foods says it has no reports of adverse reactions. The police arrested him, but the rest of us may want to give him a hug. In the Cleveland suburb of Avon Lake, 62-year-old John Holzel thought all those small paper and plastic signs along the roads looked trashy and were distracting to drivers, usually placed on public land, often near intersections. So John Holzel started collecting them. 
about 10 years ago. After months of theft complaints from the small business owners and others who had planted the signs, police say they found over 500 roadside signs at John's house. Total value of all the missing signs, over $5,000. Which is why beauty-loving, safety-minded John Holzel is now facing a felony for possession of stolen property. I'm in trouble now, says John. I'm not taking them no more, he adds, along with an apology to the people who paid to print and plant the signs. As for the driver distractions, drivers are now completely on their own. We don't have John Holzel looking out for us anymore. In St. Petersburg, Florida, police have their eyes on a local artist after a series of butt graffiti on several local buildings. It's a simple black-and-white drawing of a three-cheeked butt, a bottom with three cheeks instead of two. You'll find this particular graffiti in several places downtown, including a local art center and the YMCA. Police found similar drawings on the Instagram profile of Jeremy Trevino, who says the graffiti may have been the work of copycat artists. Could it be Jeremy himself quoting him? I can neither confirm nor deny that. That ain't lettuce. Customs and Borders says it seized nearly two tons of marijuana at the Texas line, disguised this time as heads of lettuce. Nearly 6,000 round packages at 3,700 pounds. Street value over $741,000. Sold as weed, I mean, not as lettuce. They were on the march in Moscow. Porta potties run amok. Heavy rains and hurricane-strength winds swept through the Russian capital this week and Muscovites went running for cover. In Red Square, portable toilets waiting to be moored for a construction project were swept away on that rainwater by those winds, remaining upright. They seemed to drift and float toward people as if people were being chased by runaway porta-potties. Quoting one Russian's Twitter feed, even the toilets are fleeing from the murderous regime. This is how you do it. You hold a toothbrush in your teeth and lean back your head so the handle's pointing straight up. And then all you have to do is balance a spinning basketball on the tip of that toothbrush for longer than 53 seconds. Because that's the new world record for how long a human can balance a spinning basketball on a mouth-mounted toothbrush. It was set, this record, not by an American, but by Sandeep Singh, a young man from Punjab, India. And his stunt lasted nine times longer than the old record of just under seven seconds. Sandeep says he always wanted to break a world record, and he says he first had to master spinning the basketball on his finger. He later learned to transfer the spinning ball to the straight-up toothbrush, which he held by his teeth with the bristles. And that is how you do it. In Karachi, Pakistan, Mohammad Rashid set a martial arts world record by crushing the most soda cans in 30 seconds while holding an uncooked chicken egg in the hand he used for can smashing. He smashed 29 cans in 30 seconds and never even cracked the shell. With that kind of control, Rashid should teach martial arts, and in fact he does, as founder of the Pakistan Academy of Martial Arts. Rashid also holds the world records for the most soda cans crushed by an elbow in 60 seconds, for removing the most bottle caps in one minute with his head, and for smashing the most green coconuts in a minute with his head.
One of the ways we celebrate our independence in the U.S. is by having eating contests, apparently. It's a free country, after all. Joey Chestnut won the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest on the 4th for the 10th year in a row. 72 dogs in 10 minutes, in case you didn't catch the live broadcast on ESPN. But we're not here to talk about him. In our nation's capital on Monday the 3rd, Molly Schuyler of Sacramento, California, won the hamburger eating contest hands down. This was the eighth year for the contest sponsored by a place Bill Clinton liked called Z-Burger. Molly Schuyler has just won the joint's competitive eating contest for the third straight year without ever throwing up. Contestants who throw up are disqualified no matter how much they ate. This year, 13 men and women competed together. Molly, who has multiple piercings in her nose and each ear and a hot pink mohawk, used her purple-painted fingertips to stuff 21 Z-Burgers into her system in 10 minutes. And that's even after Z-Burger increased the size of their burgers this year. How did Molly feel afterward? Okay, apparently. Minutes later, she ordered a chocolate shake, a double chocolate shake. For Molly, training began five years ago when somebody bet she couldn't eat a five-pound burger. She took up the bet just for kicks and, quoting her, I found out I could make more money doing that than an actual job. Molly made four grand just from this one contest, which she says she will use to feed her children in a more traditional fashion. There was quite the fireworks show at Mike Tingley's house this year. Our story from Grand Blanc, Michigan, begins with bees. Mike had bees in his garage and decided to remove their nest. He had some fireworks, and he thought a smoke bomb might be the perfect way to chase away the bees so the nest could be removed. So Mike Tingley lighted the smoke bomb and stepped away. Unfortunately for Mike, the smoke bomb set off a fire that burned the entire garage and patio area to the ground because the garage is also where Mike stored the rest of his fireworks, some of which were truly quite impressive, the rocket's red glare and so on. There would be no patio barbecue on the 4th this year, but, says Mr. Tingley, everyone is safe, and that's the main thing. And finally, from the home office in Florida, Jacksonville Division, the girlfriend of a 38-year-old was horrified to enter the bathroom and find her lover bleeding profusely from his genital region. He explained as best he could under the circumstances. He had slid into his car and sat accidentally on a loaded, unlocked handgun, and it shot him in the penis. The girlfriend drove this Florida man to Memorial Hospital, and the sheriff's office impounded the vehicle as evidence while the man underwent emergency surgery. Remember, in Florida, the farther north you go, the farther south you get. I'm Buzz Burbank. Thank you for listening. And thanks for supporting the shows and sponsors at BuzzBurbank.com. I'll be back next Thursday with another Buzz Burbank news and comment. The preceding presentation was brought to you by The Realm Network.